Hello and welcome to night number 16 of 31 Nights of Fright, year 4, the Stephen King of Horror. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. Night 16 brings us to the first of three Stephen King Netflix adaptations that I'm going to be talking about, starring Patrick Wilson. This is the 2019 Vincenzo Natale directed in the tall grass. Before we talk about this movie, I think we have to talk about the publication history. It's pretty interesting. It is a story that was written by Stephen King and his son, Joe Hill. This was actually released in Esquire magazine. It was released in two parts, so it is just a novella. It's not an actual Stephen King novel. Of course, with this being a novella, this would probably make a better leap to a film. The way that this was released is kind of fascinating to me, specifically because I don't remember hearing about it. I don't really read magazines anymore, and you would have thought if Stephen King and his son took the time to put this story in Esquire magazine, you would have thought it would have had more of a fanfare. Maybe it does. I don't know. I think this may be one of King's lesser works. But we're not really talking about the original story. The big question is, how is the actual movie? Before we get there, I think we need to have a plot synopsis, which involves pregnant Becky who is traveling to California with her brother Cal as she intends to give her child up for adoption. She has some morning sickness, so they decide to stop on the side of the road, which just so happens to be right aside of the tall grass. And they hear a child calling for help. They decide to do what any good person would do and try to help the child get out of the grass. In another plot point to add drama to the story, baby daddy Travis is on his way to try to get her to take him back since he was the father who did not want to be a father but now decided he does. That pretty much sums up the plot right there. There's not a whole lot there. The movie does do quite a bit with a little. I think that was one of the things that I enjoyed most about the movie is that it tried to confuse, but we weren't really completely in the dark with all the confusion. We know just from the very start before they even go in, you shouldn't go into this grass. It's almost reminiscent of some of Stephen King's other works like Children of the Corn. You know that once these characters go in there, they're probably not coming out. So it does have a very standard setup for this type of movie. I honestly was okay with that. I'm fine with standard setups to a movie. It's how it proceeds with that initial plot that really matters to me. One of the big things that stopped me from watching this movie before was the bad reviews. It has a pretty low rating on IMDb. Critics didn't really warm to this one all that much. But I have to say, I was actually pleasantly surprised by this one. It wasn't anything groundbreaking. It wasn't anything terribly new. We've probably seen this before in better films. Of course, we haven't seen it all mashed together like it was here, but it was still kind of fun. Along the way, we do have a very inventive plot point that I didn't mention about, and I actually dug as well. The fact that our characters are trapped in the grass However, it seems like it's a different time, a different time and space at that point. 
So we really do have a little bit of a looping timeline. As far as I know, that was not present in the book, which surprises me because this is one of the things of the movie that made it engaging for me. I like trying to figure out what was going on exactly with our characters. We see our characters dead, we see them alive. It's never truly confusing or anything like that, but we don't actually get a reasonable explanation either. The movie is one of those that it wants to be talked about, but I don't know if it's really that deep to where people would want to have those conversations about what actually happened. Of course, a lot of people may think that this is a cheap plot device, considering it could all be just a dream type of idea, which we've seen in many things. We also know that it's one of the easiest ways for a writer or a director to undo everything that they did. If anything, the idea that time moves differently in the tall grass was definitely a unique thing to include. All the more mind-blowing that it seems like the original Stephen King story was straight ahead. I think if they would have gone that route here, it would have made the movie a little bit more normal and maybe the bad reviews that it received would have been even worse. I also have a theory of why they decided to include the time-bending element to this one. Probably because if they didn't, it would have been too close to Stephen King's Children of the Corn. We don't have the over-religious kids in this movie. Of course, the kids were on the side of evil, not on the side of good. Patrick Wilson's character, who is obsessed with the rock, as well as the tall grass and the secrets that are included in there, he is overly religious, but because the rock showed him the answers of the meaning of life, or the meaning of life according to the rock. This rock is evil, it sits at the middle of the tall grass, it also has some other elements too, such as the grass people that are inhabitants in the tall grass. It's tough for me to actually say that with a straight face. I know it sounds kind of ridiculous saying it like that, but trust me, it kind of works for the movie. Kinda. I did enjoy the overall occult vibe to the whole movie. It made it a little bit different than what I was expecting. So in that case, I would say that it was enjoyable to me. I don't think it's nearly as bad as what the critics or the general public have said about this film, but I actually enjoyed it. Speaking of that time-bending element, there is one thing that I really enjoyed that also reminded me of something else with Stephen King. There's a moment where Becky calls herself and pretty much pleads with herself to make a better decision in life. If she would make a better decision, it would have a better outcome. They would never approach this grass. There would never be those events that we saw unfold. Of course, that undoes the entire movie, but I'm fine with that. It really did give me an element of the Tales from the Dark Side episode entitled, Sorry, Right Number. That was an episode that was written by Stephen King, and there's a moment in that episode that the main character actually calls herself and pleads with herself to get her husband help. Of course, that would have changed the entire outcome of that Tales from the Dark Side episode, made it like it never happened. So I have no idea if that was intentional or not, but it seems like director Vincenzo Natale had a nice little nod to that episode of Tales from the Dark Side that Stephen King wrote. That is actually a great episode, I recommend checking that out. It's not horror, of course, but it is a good episode of 
Tales from the Dark Side. As far as the overall look, I think Vincenzo and Natalia did a good job as far as the direction. It really does look nice. It looked very nice in 4K on my TV. Of course, Natalia has directed other films such as Cube, which I really don't care for, but I know that it has its fans out there, so I am by no means bashing that film, but it just wasn't for me. Vincenzo Natalia has primarily worked in television, the shows that he has worked on have been some high-profile projects, such as the Hannibal TV show. I think that's apparent here by the way the movie looks and feels. So with his background on TV, I think it helped this movie as far as from a visual standpoint. I honestly didn't have too many complaints with this one. I thought it was fairly well made. It wasn't a bad way to spend about an hour and a half. Plus, I really enjoyed the song choice. Patrick Wilson's character is singing the song The Midnight Special. Of course, that is a CCR song. We do get the actual CCR version by the end of the film. I do really like CCR, and anytime they include a CCR song, that kind of helps things a little bit for my enjoyment. Lame, I know, but they're easily one of my favorite bands. Last time I can remember that that song was included in anything was Twilight Zone the movie. Every time I hear that song, I'll still think of Twilight Zone the movie, even though it was a nice little inclusion here. As far as the dislike of this film, I think I can understand why people may dislike it. It may be a movie that's not for everybody. It's not entirely original. It's not entirely a cookie cutter of something you've seen before. It seems to take a lot of borrowing from other things, notably Stephen King. I have to say that by the end of the movie, I thought it tied up pretty well. Not everything is answered, however, I did like the fact that the character of Travis, the boyfriend, the, the baby daddy, that he pretty much sacrificed himself. He grew up by the end of the movie. Through the dialogue, we heard a little bit of bits and pieces of that he's not an adult. But in this case, this version of Travis made the ultimate sacrifice. I still think the original Travis is probably still there trying to find Becky and her brother Cal. But this one here really did make the right choice. I don't know if that pulls the original one out of existence, because we do have that time loop element, but I'd like to think that by the end of the movie, we may have a happy ending for Becky and Travis. I really didn't care for the character of Cal as far as characters. He seems to love his sister a little bit too much, if you know what I mean there. And honestly, he was just kind of wasted. Everyone else did a pretty good job. Patrick Wilson did a good job as well. I think that's to be expected. He's usually pretty good in most films and things that he does. Overall, not nearly as bad as what I was expecting. I don't know what I was truly expecting. I do know that considering I had the idea that this wasn't something great, but knowing it was a Stephen King adaptation, I did want to check it out. With 31 Nights of Frights here, it kind of forced my hand, and honestly, I was glad that I did check it out. It wasn't bad at all. I actually enjoyed my stay in the tall grass. I'm going to close out tonight's episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes. This, of course, is a part of the Adam Analyzes podcast. So if you do need to catch up on past episodes of 31 Nights of Frights, like if you want to check out the past years that I've done these, they're there also. 
You can catch up on past episodes of Adam Analyzes at adamanalyzes.com. If you don't do social media and want to send me an email, you can do so at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. If you're enjoying this, why not tell a friend about it? I would greatly appreciate that. And also, if you could write a five-star rating at the podcast listening platform of your choice, I would appreciate that as well because it'll allow me to create new episodes as well as create new content. Plus, I simply love those digital hooks. But with that being said, be kind and good night. I will see you tomorrow on Night 17. Night 17.